Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how God has a name. And it's so important to remember that because names reveal to us the identity of someone. See, nowadays, we don't put too much emphasis on names. It's just like what sounds cool, what's pop culture right now. It's one of the things I love about my wife, Adrienne. She made us be very intentional about the the names that we gave our boys of Shepherd and Theodore. They have significant spiritual meanings. And back in the time that the Bible was being written, a name was not just something you opened a baby book and said, that sounds good, or what's popular, or what's my favorite character on my Netflix show, I want to name my kid that, right? That's not how it worked back then. The name conveyed identity. It conveyed history of your family. It it contained significance of who you are and who God had called you to be. And God actually has identified himself for us. And so today, like I said, I would love for you to get your notes out. The title of today's message is, Who Does God Say He Is? I'm not interested in what the world tells me about God. I'm not interested in what culture says or what the people around me say. I want to know, what does God say about himself? Who does God say he is? And over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is unpack a very powerful portion of Scripture from the second book of the Bible, In Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 5, going through verse 7, here's what it says. You'll read it with me. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, the him being Moses. I love this. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. And the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren, and the entire family is infected, and even children in the third and fourth generations. Now, this may be a very thick, dense portion of Scripture for you, which that's what the Bible is, but I want to take some time over these next few weeks to have a conversation about what God says in this Scripture. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today as we open up this and write some notes down and listen and lean into what God's going to do. Father, I'm so thankful for testimonies like Brandy's that are here in this room. And God, I pray that you would speak to us today to completely reveal to us what that next step in our faith is. God, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for our church. It's an honor to pastor this house. And God, we do two things today. We listen and we lean in. We take a deep breath and forget about whatever is going on outside these walls, and we just totally saturate ourselves with what you're teaching us today. God, I pray that you'd be with all of our amazing leaders and teachers and local city kids today. Help them continue to teach our young generation that Jesus loves them and he is their very best friend, and we care about our kids so much. Lord, we love you, and we give you our very best today. We bring you our very best attention. We open our hearts to you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give me a good amen if you're excited for today. And then do me a favor. Give a nice shout so they can hear you. Welcome everybody watching for Local City Church Online today. So glad you're with us wherever you're at. 
There we go, we're waking up a little bit. I need some good amens today and I need some good shout downs today because I'm excited about this conversation. I'm excited about what God is going to speak to us today. And let me give you a little example of, of what I mean about this view of God. If you'll write this down for me, it matters how you see God. It matters how you see God. This is one of the most important sentences we can marinate on and reflect on this morning. Because what comes into our mind when we think about God is very key. It's actually a quote from an old theologian named A.W. Tozer. He says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. As we heard earlier, maybe the thing that pops into your mind is a very religious idea, that God is just this distant figure, that if I do the right things and say the right things and come to the church every now and then, he'll love me and maybe he'll bless me. Maybe you think about a God who is distant and angry and off-putting with his arms crossed saying, all right, show me why I should love you. Maybe what you think about God is not much at all. That's kind of the illustration. I'm a big object lesson guy because I'm a very visual person. So remember, as I'm giving you this object illustration, remember that statement, it matters how you see God. Because some of us, we could have just kind of this folded up view of, God, a view of God that actually isn't really a view of God at all. When we think about God, there's kind of just an absence there. Like we've heard it said before, we've heard this concept, but really it's like, just a blank piece of paper. I don't really know how it applies to my life. I don't really know how it can affect me. I don't really have a relationship with what's going on here. And it's just kind of something that we folded up and kind of kept as a recreational side of our life. It's not important, it's not essential, but you know, we'll talk about it every now and then. Sure, I believe in God. I don't know what that means when I say it, but sure, why not? I would say that's a lot of people in our culture today is that they say they, would, they believe in God, but they have no idea what that means. And maybe as you've been coming to church or as you've grown up in your faith, it's moved from that you actually do have an idea of God, but it is still kind of folded up, kept in your pocket, and under control. But you do have a view of God, like you understand that the Bible says that he's like our heavenly father. You've heard that said before. You've heard about Jesus and his, the Son of God and what he did. You heard that God loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That sounds good. But again, it's not this overtaking big picture. It still is something that you kind of fold up and put it in your pocket. It's like, yeah, God's, God and I are good. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor for a long time, a lot of you guys know that, and I would always check in with my students who hadn't been in church in a long time and I would ask, how's your relationship with God going? How's your faith? And they would say, oh, Pastor Ryan, me and God are like this, bro. And I would be like, that is just such an easy see through it that you and God are not like this at all. Because no one talks like that with their relationship with God. I mean, we're like this, bro. Oh, really? When's the last time you read your Bible? Oh, that's not what our relationship is about. We just kind of know, you know, we just, we, we kind of have more of a distant thing, a, a mutual understanding going on, right? I sound like my youth was like from California, but they were not. Uh, but that's kind of what they sounded like, right? Now, now, the other idea is that maybe we have stepped into this idea that God is big. Like, look at the screen. Like, we've, we've stepped in this idea that God is bigger than us, but the way we see him and our view of him is very small. 
Right, we, okay, God's big, he's huge, but our understanding of his name, our understanding of his identity is very minuscule, very small, not something that would be over, like, overpowering our fears and doubts and seasons and problems. Well, over the next few weeks, what I want to do is help you move from a non-existent folded up view of God to, again, maybe today you would say, you know what, maybe I, I do believe there's a God out there, and I, if he wants to know me, I want to know him. And then maybe we could step into the idea that God is big, he is massive. But what I want you to lean into today is that this is where our view of God should be. This incredibly great, large, fills our whole perspective. That when I look at that, it is all I see. That this is the lens I see the world through. This is the lens I see my life through. And that I don't have to have this fear that I can't know what that big word means. That it actually is that God has a name. He wants to be known, and he wants to know me, and he wants to have a relationship with me. So that when problems seem big, when my life seems overwhelming, I can turn and say, God, you are so much bigger than all that, and I bow to you and surrender to you today. When life seems great, and we're walking in blessing, and business is good, we remind ourselves that, God, it's all because of you. The only reason reason I have this is because you're a big God who has invited me into relationship. Come on, if you're thankful for a big God, give me a better amen than that. You're hearing me today. Because here's the thing, it matters how we see God, but what I would continue to encourage you is this, is that we may not be able to know God exhaustively, but we can be sure to know him accurately. God's an infinite God. It's impossible to know every aspect about him. When people try to box in God, that's when they get frustrated and give up on him. Maybe you've heard it said this way, I can't believe in a God who would do blank. Well, if that's the way we approach God, we've already lost. Because what are you doing? You're placing your own limitations. You're placing your own thought process and weakness on a God who is bigger than you could possibly imagine. So we may not be able to know God exhaustively, but we can sure know him accurately. That's what I do, want to do for you today. I want to help you know God accurately, and not just pass the test information. Like if I were to tell you about my wife, Adrian, and you would say, hey, tell me about your wife. I would say, awesome. She was born on October 18th, 1990. She is five feet tall, and she has black hair. You'd be like, that's really what you want to tell me about your wife? Like, I didn't ask for a description. I asked, tell me about her. And I think sometimes we limit our understanding of God to that kind of, I know God. He He's in the Bible. We talk about him at church. And they're just descriptions. There's no relationship piece of it. Because if you were to ask me, tell me about your wife, I would tell you she is the most caring person. I wish she was in here today. She's serving in kids. So, you know, no husband points. But it's okay. I'll tell her to go back and listen to it later. But the thing is, is that she's incredibly caring. She is the most dedicated and devoted mom I have ever seen. She is so sincere and anointed when it comes to leading worship and, and pastoring this church with me. She is so in tune with the Holy Spirit, and you can sense that when she leads this house in worship. She's willing to do whatever it takes to build the house of God. She's caring for your kids right now, serving over there, because we, we were shorthanded on team members today. That's the kind of person she is. That I only know because of relationship. That I only know because I've taken the time to get to know her and spend time with her. And that's what you need to know about God. You gotta take the time to get to know him and learn about him. And it matters the way we see him because the way we see him is going to influence and affect our life. 
If you'll turn your notes over, that's what I want to encourage you with today. Why does it matter the way we see God? Well, number one, it shapes the way you relate to him. If you see God as just this little piece of paper of knowledge that you carry around in your pocket, you're not going to have a powerful relationship with him. If you see him as a distant figure, not a person, not a heavenly father, it's not going to shape the fact that you want to be as close to him as possible. If you don't see him as a miracle-working God who keeps his promises, then you're going to give up on it, give up on him at the drop of a hat. It's going to shape the way you relate to him. But if you see him as your heavenly father, who is loyal to you, who has given his son Jesus for you, who conquered sin and death and the grave and we celebrate is alive today. When you know that God says he is compassionate and merciful and slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness, you are dedicated to knowing more of that and it begins to shape the way you live and saying, God, I know your name and I'm gonna call on that name daily because it is the most important thing about me. It is what I want to fill my mind. God has a name and he's told you what it is. The second thing is, is we become like what we worship. We are created to worship. All of us worship something in here. My hope for you is that it would be Jesus, the name above all names, the king above all kings, the one who has victory again over death and the grave and who has freed us and forgave us. But we all worship something. If we worship our platform, we're gonna become like that. If we worship the people around us by wanting to make sure they accept us, we're gonna become like them. If we worship what we see on our phones through social media, we're gonna become like that. If we worship being in the know with news 24-7, we're going to become like that. If, what we, if the, what our perspective of God is, again, is distant and angry and judgmental, that's the approach we're gonna have and we're gonna worship him that way. But when you see God as someone who loved you when you didn't deserve it, when you see a God who is so loyal to his people and never gives up on them and countlessly shows up day after day to deliver them and give them victory, when you step into worship at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you're not standing there like this. You're becoming like the God that you're worshiping, full of love, full of strength, full of faith, knowing that God is real and he's in this room. I need you to wake up a little bit, local city, because I'm fired up and I want you to be today too. We'll get there, we'll get there. I'll wake some of you up today. Because I want you to know, I don't want you to be robbed of just looking at me like, that guy's really excited. Yeah, I am excited about it. Because just like Brandy said, I know what my life was like before I knew the name of God. I know what my life was like before Jesus. And I know where I would be without him. And what the biggest thing that knowing God has a name does is number three, it reminds us God is a person. We say it this way, hope is not a feeling or an emotion, hope has a name and that name is Jesus. So if it has a name, it means it's a person. And if it's a person, it means I can know more about him. If it's a person, it means I can learn things and I can grow in my relationship with him. That's what Adrian's marriage has been about, knowing each other as people, knowing each other, our strengths and our weaknesses for richer or poorer, sickness or death, we're committed to each other. And when we begin to realize that God is a person as he illustrates in this passage of scripture today, it is going to influence our lives more than we could possibly imagine. What does God say his name is? What does God say about him? 
Well, let's go back to Exodus 34, starting in verse 5, going through verse 7. Here's what it says. It says, the Lord passed in front of Moses. I'm going to go through this kind of line by line. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord. Now, we got to just take a deep breath and look at this, because what happens in this instance is Moses has had a very close, intimate relationship with God. It all started at the burning bush when Moses was kind of out running from God and what God had called him to do. And God's like, well, I'll just use this burning bush to kind of get your attention. That would get my attention. And it calls Moses close, and it says, Moses, chosen you to go set my people free, because at this time, God's people, the people of Israel, were in slavery in Egypt. And God tells Moses, I've chosen you. Moses is like, nope, not me. Must be mistaken. I think you're looking for another Moses. God says, no, I have called you. And Moses makes excuse after after excuse, asks God a couple of questions, but eventually he's like, all right, I'll go, I'll do it. And he begins this journey of being one of the most powerful leaders in Scripture who performs through the power of God some of the most historical miracles that we see. And the Bible tells us that Moses would speak to God as one talks to a friend face to face. I don't know about you, but I'd love to have that relationship with God. I would speak to him as a friend. That's what God wants for you. And Moses is having this kind of frustrating thing because he's leading people. And if you've ever led people, you know it's kind of a frustrating job. Yes, right? So just imagine, like, like, so Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. They're free, and they get to the the, the Red Sea, and they're trapped between the Red Sea and their enemy, and their enemy's coming to kill them, and they just immediately start yelling at Moses. Oh, Moses, what's wrong with you? You've led us out here to die. We'd rather be back in chains. Isn't that funny? I'd rather be back in chains, chained to a wall, not free. And I was like, all right, just chill, everybody. God, these people are driving me crazy. I kind of want the chariots just to run them over and take them out. There's a few of them you can save, but the other million, just let them go. They'll be with you anyway. But he doesn't do that. He says, all right, God, what should I do? And God says, all right, hold out your staff, and he parts the Red Sea. If you've ever, have you ever seen the Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston way back then? And they walk through, and then as they're getting out, the waves crash over and destroy Pharaoh's army. And then they begin, they give it a walk into the promised land, but what happens is they begin to complain because God is not doing things the way they want. What happens here is there's an instance where Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God, and everyone gets upset. They're like, Moses is taking too long. We ordered this stuff from God a long time ago, and I'm following it on the GPS Uber Eats tracker on my phone, and it's not here yet. What are we going to do? And they start yelling at Moses' brother, Aaron, and then Aaron does something very stupid and tells them to gather all their jewelry. They melt it down into a golden calf idol, and they start worshiping that, which is just shows how silly we are when we try to put God in our own box. And Moses comes down, has a little anger issues, smashes the Ten Commandments, and then he has to go back, God, I'm sorry. Got a little upset down there, but you would too if you knew these people. Smash the Ten Commandments, I'm going to need another copy. And as he's talking with God, he begins to say, I just need, God, I just need to go tell them something about you. Like, I know you called me, but I need a little bit more right now because this is hard. And if only I could see who you were. If only you could just tell me more about you. I would walk down in confidence and be able to lead them. 
This is where we pick up. It says the Lord passed in front of Moses. Actually, what God says before is, hey, I'm a little too great for you to see, so i got to hide you behind this rock and protect you so you don't die, but I will pass before you, and I will shout out who I am. And as I pass by behind me, you will see all the glory and goodness of who I really am. And he says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And the Bible says that Moses is so overwhelmed by what he just witnessed, by what he was just a part of, that he says, God, I don't want to go anywhere if you're not going. Like, I don't want to go anywhere. If you are not with us, we will die. We need you. I cannot believe how much glory and goodness you contain, and you have allowed us to know you, and I can have a relationship with you. I don't want to go anywhere if you're not leading me or sending me, because without you, I can do nothing. See, the thing is, when you get a little bit of God, and you truly experience him, and he begins to tell you his name, you can't get enough. You begin to realize he is more than you could ever possibly imagine, truly full of glory and good. The Bible says that Moses walks down, and his face is shining so bright, people can't even look at him. God says some important things here. I'm going to share them with you somewhat quickly, and we'll unpack this over the next couple weeks. But the first thing that he says is he's calling out Yahweh. This is the name of God, Yahweh. I want you to write these down. What are these five names? Well, what you'll see is, I think it's the statement before, is that names are revelatory to the nature of a person. Names are revelatory to the nature of a person. So what God is doing right here is showing Moses his nature. And the first thing he tells him is, I am Yahweh. Now, what does this mean? It's very significant for Moses, because remember how I told you about the whole burning bush thing? Well, there's this instance where, again, Moses is making excuses, and so he's beginning to see the nature of God. And God, and God says, I'm going to call you to do this, Moses. And Moses, I can't do this. Who am I going to say is sending me? And God says, I am. And Moses says, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but Moses asks a second question, is tell me the significance of who you are. Tell me your character and your nature. And God says this word, he says, a yay, which means I am that I am, meaning that God is calling Moses back to this idea of here's who I was when I called you. I haven't changed. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of your historical fathers. I have been here. I am the God who was. I was with you at the burning bush. I was with you when you walked through the Red Sea. I was with you when the people were complaining and you were about to just tell them all to go away. I was there. But now this second instance, again, life in our journey of faith is about growing, is God uses Yahweh, which adds two more pieces to it. Because as we study in the Hebrew language, this word conveys three different things. The Yah is who was, the Eye, and the <laughs> is the who, now God is telling Moses, this is who I am right now. I'm the God who is. I see what you're going through, Moses. My name, though, is to let you know that I am with you, and I is, that's not good English, but I is right now in this moment helping you. That's my name. It's not just from the past, but it's in the present right now helping you see that I am full of compassion and mercy and slow to anger and unfailing love and faithfulness. This is who I am right now, Moses. And the A means, but also I am the God who is to come. Nothing surprises me. Nothing catches me off guard. I want you to know there's nothing that catches God off guard in your life. 
He is there for you. He is preparing you. He is helping you. He is with you every step of the way. He is Yahweh. I love that Yahweh even sounds like the language of breath and breathing. That I would still be a heap of dust on the ground if it weren't for the breath of God. What is God's name? I say it every time I breathe. Yahweh. Who was and is and who is to come. It's not just God. It's someone who wants to have a relationship with me in my past, my present, and my future. But who is he in the was and in the is and is the is to come? I'm glad you asked. He is, number two, is compassionate and merciful. God has compassion for you. I need you to understand that. And the order, the, when the Bible does a lot of lists, right? There are probably some list people out there. Like when you get into work, you got your like list app that you use or you got your little notepad and you're like, I got to do this, return this email, make this phone call, and you make your list, right? Well, God's a list person too, but he doesn't just list things kind of haphazardly. He has a lot of intention behind it. So after Yahweh, and again, Mo, God tells Moses twice, like Yahweh, he's pretty much saying Yahweh twice, Yahweh the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, but I'm compassionate and merciful first. So what does that mean? It means at any time, no matter how life is going, no matter how messed up you've been, no matter how many mistakes you've made, when you approach God, the first thing he always will be is compassionate and merciful. Some of us are not approaching God because we're afraid that he's gonna be judgmental and harmful and attacking. But the first thing he is is compassionate. Come to me, all who are weary. Come to me who are carrying a heavy burden. Because I am merciful as well. I want to forgive you. I want to help you. I love this idea that God is compassionate. The Hebrew word that in the original language that they use is this compassion idea when it comes to that of a parent. The nurturing of a parent. That I so desperately want to care for my child and help you. And I'm telling you, I have learned more about my relationship with God in the five years I've been a parent, now parent of two of them, of just how amazing the heart of God is and what it means to love someone and want the best for them and be so compassionate and merciful towards them. That is the attribute, the character, the identity of God. The third thing is that he's slow to anger. I love that one. Woo! Made my parents and a lot of teachers angry in my life. And I know some of them who were not slow to get angry. But I love that God is slow to anger. Meaning that again, it takes a lot to make him angry. He gives us chance after chance after chance. If you read the Old Testament, I do not see a vengeful God. I see a loyal God who is committed to his people, who turn their back on him time after time again, make golden idols, give their lives to this other culture and these other things that have not saved them and have not done anything for them. And every time God is like, if you'll just turn to me, I'll be here ready for you because I'm slow to get angry, I'm compassionate and merciful. Do you know what's powerful about this verse? Is that it's the most quoted scripture by scripture. Like every time people are referring back to the fact that God is Yahweh, he is compassionate and merciful and slow to anger. I'm gonna show you that example in just a second, but let's go to number four. So God's slow to anger. Number four is he's consistent. He's consistent. He is always who he says he is. When we sing holy, that's what that word means. 
God is forever consistent in his character. He is never going to be different. He is never going to change. You have those people in your life that you never know what version of them you're going to get? You like walk into your work, we're like, hmm, I, what, I would wonder what version of Nancy I'm going to get today. She's going to be nice and caring or very mean and vindictive. I don't know, what, I don't know who's coming in. And if you don't have that person, you might be that person. Not work. No. <laughs> but we have those people in our life, right? God's not like that. Every time you approach him, whether it's here at church in your quiet time, he's the same. Compassionate, merciful, slow to anger. He is consistent. And the fifth thing is he is responsive. He's responsive. God's always responding to you. He's always helpful. He's always there. And what I love about this verse is it became foundation for so many people in Scripture. I talk a lot about the Psalms because it's such a powerful testimony of working out your relationship with God. Well, in Psalm 145, here's what David says. He quotes Exodus 34, if you can throw it up on the screen for me. He quotes this verse. He leans into it that, yes, Lord, you are compassionate and gracious. You are slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then David says, turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength on behalf of your servant. Why is he saying that second part? Because he remembers the first part. That God, you're compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. There's a prophet by the name of Joel, who Joel is a prophet who begins to prophesy about the day of the Lord. And what is the day of the Lord going to be about? What is our life about? If you'll throw it up on the screen for me, it's about returning do not tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. Why? Why can I return to the Lord my God? Because he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And one of the people that I'm probably was so glad that, that God was slow to get angry and full of mercy is the disciple Peter. And he challenges us in the second book that he wrote in the Bible that you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient, slow to get angry. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, compassionate and merciful, but wants everyone to repent, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. These are the names of God. When you see that big picture of God on the screen, I want you to think about these statements. Compassionate, merciful slow to get angry, unfailing love and faithfulness, meaning he will always be there. You may not be able to know him exhaustively, but you can know this is true and you can stand on it today. And what I love about God is as we grow in our relationship with him, our life is unlocked to be who we were created to be. We have a, a married family circle that meets on Tuesday nights. And it was funny, when we first started, uh, in the beginning of the semester, we would play games together. And we would play catchphrase. You ever play catchphrase? It's, uh, it's intense. If you have anxiety, you might not be able to handle catchphrase. It's pretty intense. But anyway, and when we first started playing, everyone was so, like, nice and sincere because we didn't really know each other. We were just starting this circle. So we were like, oh, it's okay. You messed up. You weren't able to describe the word. And the, the other team got a point. It's okay. I'm very competitive, so I understand. But as it's grown, like just this past Tuesday, it was, like, cutthroat catchphrase. It was like, no, it buzzed before you said it, all right? No, you, I ran out of time, all right? Let's go. Come on, we got we to gotta win here. We got to score a point. Let's go. We got to do this. I'm not saying that we're more angry at each other, but we're more comfortable around each other now. 
because there's a relationship there. We don't just know, our, know each other's names by memorization. We have a relationship with each other now. And when you have a relationship with the name of God, it changes the way you relate to him. It reminds you that he is a person. Who does God say he is? He's Yahweh, the God who was and is and is to come. And what is he in all of those instances of was and is and is to come? Compassionate, merciful, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He has a name. And I pray today that's how you would relate to him this week. That when you wake up tomorrow, you would not think that God is off on some cloud, but he is passing by you just like he did with Moses, as one would do with a friend, calling out, I am your Lord, I am your God, slow to get angry, compassionate, merciful, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God has a name. Did that help you today? Local city, I encourage you today. Would you stand to your feet as we close today and close your eyes with me? In just a moment, in just a moment, the band is going to lead us in singing that word in this song, the hymn of heaven and holy. And what I encourage you to remember is that number four was God was consistent. If you'll close your eyes with me today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.